Welcome to a Night Shift Football Podcast, Red Edition. Um, it's all falling apart. It's just all falling apart. Adelaide United with a disastrous home performance. 2-0 down. 2-0, they went down to Brisbane Raw. We said on the pod last week, I believe all three of us, I think, said that we should probably go out and win this one at home, um, needing to really start winning these home games. We'll get into the game in a sec. I've got Tom with me. Say hi. Hello. Cooper's with me. Say hi. Hello. Now, before I jump into the football itself, I had a little note here. What I wanted to start with was we're at the game and we were looking over the squads and things and it came to our attention that Popovich and Ansel were both uh, not named as outs, but they were not in the squad. They're both missing. At all. They just disappeared and vanished. We also then saw that Lockie Barr was listed as an out of the squad this week, but was in fact in the starting 11. Uh, Tom, I think it was you sent me something uh, just maybe maybe yesterday or the day before about the fact that Carl said this was maybe a planned rest for Popovich and Ansel anyway. Um, and if that is the case, cool. But is this the way a professional football club should be communicating with its fans? Is this the way a professional football club could be trying to get people invested in the game itself, when you're not, if you're not engaging anyone with anything or communicating stuff that's happening, um, the only way to be, I guess, in the know or to be involved in stuff is to know someone who is involved or to actually just go to games. It's odd because Hooper might be able to know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure if you if you mislead the team sheet, it's actually what it's a fine, isn't it? Don't clubs in England get fined for doing this kind of thing? I have no idea. Yeah, well, this isn't this isn't a mislead of the team sheet for per se because uh, assuming on the day that Carl's filled his team sheet out correctly, this is when the squad is announced on on social media during yeah. the week. The official uh, so squad is selected on, it's on just Thursday. Club communication for fans, yeah. and yeah. ours is fucking atrocious. And, and it always has been. And and uh, so what it was is, I believe it was uh, what day did we play? We played Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Um. So a light training session on Saturday was held. Squad was released on the Thursday. On the Thursday, Ansel and Popper both in the squad. Uh, Lockie Barr out of the squad completely. Um. Like you just said, you have to either be in the know or know someone in the know. Um. And it was it was actually me that sent the message through about Popper and Ansel and, and the rest. And it was mm. only we only know this information because Antonis went into the post match. <laughs> press conference and, and one asked, of four people <laughs> asked Carl what was going on in, with these <laughs> players. And it was, um, so this was a planned rest for Ansel after playing a stack of games after a long layoff, which sure. is, which is Makes weird sense. though. But, that, but, but why, a, why does it make sense? Cause he's named him in the squad. Well, then... you can be in the squad though, because I think what you can say with a planned rest is that, um, We'll put Ansel in the squad in case something goes wrong. And then, and then if we need to play him, we'll play. And then play Lockie Bar anyway. Scenario. Um, Popovich was pulled up sore in training yesterday. It will be assessed tomorrow. So this is pulled up sore in training on the Saturday, supposedly to be assessed on the Monday. It is now Tuesday. We still haven't heard anything about this. No, I, why I would replied you? to Antonis at the time and I said, we couldn't have assessed him yesterday or this morning with a game to be played. And he said, uh, well, Carl spoke about severity. So I think they knew that he definitely couldn't play this game. And the assessment was to see how long he would be missing. Um, presuming this assessment has gone ahead already, there is still actually no public communication on why Popper missed this game at all, yeah. let, alone, awesome. it's let like... alone now whether he's injured or not. It's like if these things have happened 
or like, you know, so Popper's picked up an injury and he needs to be left out. Fine. Ansel, you had it planned that he would rest this game. Fine. I still think it's weird. He's not even on the bench. Um, but just like a, the lack of communication with fans, I just think it it just treats us so poorly. And I'm not one of these people that thinks the fans should just be given the world and we should be entitled to so yeah, much. I think should the, be bare minimum, the, team. the bare minimum we ask is that we just see some communication because for a lot of people um, who follow the sport in general, not even just Adelaide United, but people who follow their own clubs wherever, we love engaging with it and we want to engage with it like, you know, most days of the week. It's something we think about every day. It's something that you look forward to with your weekend. It's it's a huge part of your life and it just feels a bit, just a little bit of a kick in the teeth when they just they just take you for take you for granted. It feels like they take you for granted a bit. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of a rant last week about the membership situation. Um, you know, I just I don't want to sound like all I'm doing lately is whinging about the club, but it's, it's been a been a rough few months. <laughs> it's been a rough year and two, right? It's uh, it's been spoken about this in a way of like a little bit of a piss take or not, but but a lot of clubs love to. It's become a thing on the back of the collar or somewhere in the shirt. Let's let's imprint words that we're passionate about and we they're our values and what we mean. And for yep. this club to imprint the words integrity and transparency on the collar of their of the kit that our players are transparency transparency is the and, worst. <laughs> and to have supporters turn around and, and genuinely laugh and and, and question it has yeah. to be so it look. needs to be concerning, right? From from a club perspective, when you did that at the start of the season and people laughed about the word transparency and nothing has changed, yeah. it's really poor. Um, it's proper it's propaganda is what it is. Just I, just talk to us. Just communicate with us. You know? I wanna put out an article, tell us what's going on. I want to ask questions of Carl here in terms of, of a planned arrest for Ansel, which is totally okay. Um, but if this guy is just tired and it's just workload related. Why is he not on the bench when we only had two centre backs in this squad? If yeah. one of Bar or Warland went down early in this game, Isaias or Javi Lopez were playing centre back. Yeah. And if the reason for Ansel missing this game is purely because of workload and he's tired, surely you can, you know, go, oh, sorry, mate, Ben Warland got injured 13 minutes in. Have you got 80 in you? And we'll give you a rest next week. Mm. Yeah. Let's um let's jump into the game. I want to start with the lineup. Uh, in particular, I'll just point out a couple, but the centre back pairing. Lachlan Barr, Ben Warland, um, visceral reaction to seeing this <laughs> when they announced it on Sunday wasn't great. Like I don't, I don't hate these guys. I just know that it's, it's, it's not our best pairing, is it? I thought we were past this. I thought we learned from last season. How, this how is could not... we be past this though? When it's outside of Popper and Ansel, it's one of this those guys or is. both those guys. Yeah, like no. I don't think, I don't think they're horrible. A-League players, uh, they certainly have their moments. I think they're both capable of being in a team, perhaps not partnered together, though, perhaps with someone more experienced next to them. My concern with with seeing this and with these two and whether there was a an ability to avoid it or not is that the way we've played football this year has been so assertive on playing out from the back. And, yeah. yep, and that's it. Popper and Ansel aren't setting the world on fire with their ability to play out from the back. No. It's getting, it's getting better Week I after think, week, I think Popper's better at it. Yes, it's it's improving. Um, but I when I saw these two, I thought, gee whiz, that game plan has got to be out the window <laughs> for for this ninety minutes, and it wasn't, and it was a nightmare. And, and you know, I I have no distaste to Lockie Barr and Ben Wallen for that. That is 
it's my, not their game. My hey. fury in that situation is aimed at Carl Viet because as a manager, we, you don't call them coaches or whatever you want to call them. They're called managers for a reason because they're supposed to be able to manage their players and manage their squad. And as a manager, he needs to be aware that, hey, these two guys aren't capable of doing it. Why the fuck am I going to throw them out there in the deep end and try and make them do it? Yeah. That's the worst and part. This... Is, is, it's like it's not even just the playing out from the back, which they're not very good at. They also don't cover the wide positions very well. And the entire game plan was just fucked from the get-go. And I was, the thing moving forward in this lineup that confused me the most was if you're going to bring these two guys in that haven't had the in-game experience of playing in this system, don't change your midfield. Y'all do a rest, 100% completely agreed, do a rest. But in a week where Baron Wallen started at centre-back, it was not the week to play Luke Duzel. No. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there isn't a week that exists in a (laughs) 52-week calendar year that is the week to play Luke Duzel. Hey, most quickly the passes on the pitch, bro. But it just... (laughs) He offered nothing. And yeah, this is, you know you can have yeah, the most completed passes on the pitch in 58 minutes because he walked towards the centre-backs, he picked the ball up and he passed it sideways. He did not offer that Johnny Yale, I'll get that ball, but you're not going to have to worry about getting it back six times because I'm going to progress it. Yeah. I'm going to get us forward. I'm going to offer us something more than just being that. Uh, to me, Luke Dezell played that, what we talk about with uh, Jay Barnett, that five-yard Jay, as we yes. like to call him. He just yeah. passed it sideways, passed it sideways, passed it sideways. But fuck, that's the last thing we needed in this game. The yeah. last thing we needed. If you're going to partner with Izzy and Clough, it's like the, the gap that you could see between the two holding, basically holding midfielders and Clough, it was just crazy. Like there was no link-up play whatsoever. You have to play one of Izzy, Barnett, Dezell. You can't play them together. And like I think you may be alluding to, Sammy did a really good uh, TikTok during the week about it, but this game was crying out for the fridge. Like, why are we not playing Tunnycliffe? We're going to sign a visa player in a situation where we're going to rest and rotate um, uh, Yo with an inexperienced backline. Do the double pivot, Carl. Do it. I know we hate it, but fucking well, just, do it. Just it use it doesn't have use to be the international pivot. spot. You've you've use wasted. This- but this guy, whether you think his experience is legitimate or not, has more footballing experience than Luke Dazell. So let him go out 100. there in a hack of a game and let him use that fucking experience. Because yep. in a league like this, international experience and knowledge and footballing experience is why these marquee spots exist. Yeah, Hunter Cliff could have gone out there and played a fucking stinker, but he would have made 10 blokes around him better. And Luke Dazell is not capable of that. If it's the case that you're wrong about that and that, uh... Tonicliffe doesn't actually have that experience or isn't that good, then it's like, it's why fine. was he recruited in the first place? Exactly. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that is the case. I think Ryan is a player that will I think he's gonna have some good moments as an Adelaide United player. I think he's already had a couple of good ones. He had a bit of a stinker against Sydney, but other than that, I think he's been fine. And I'm pretty keen to see more of him and see him get into the groove of things. I don't understand this whole the the visa spots are so important in this league and they're they're limited. And we use one on We've used one on a 37-year-old right back who also was subbed on at 2-0 down. We'll get to that later. And we used one on a guy who we just sit on the bench, we make a bunch of other subs and don't bring him on. This game was crying out for him. Like this had Izzy Fridge written all over it in the midfield. And I thought it's just it's Carl's team selection, isn't it? It's his inability to trust players to do the things yeah. that he doesn't want them to do. Because I, I don't t- yeah. It's so confusing. This was the this was the Hiroshi Ibasuki game for me. Um oh, well, we have, okay, cool. We have two centre backs that don't want to play out from the back. You give them the you give them the outlet option up front. 
You give them the guy that they can go long to and he's going to hold it up or he's going to play yeah. it wide. And if that's all he does for 90 minutes, that's all he does for 90 minutes. But Can Sam I clarify I, there? Sorry, you're not. that's not a knock on... Not, not a knock on Luca at all. Sam and I spoke um, that Luca was one of few players that we thought tried his guts out for 90 minutes. He, he ran, ran his ass off. Ran, and he he ran, played about four different and, positions in the end. And he was spent. And, and it got worse because Musa did his groin with no subs left with 10 yeah. minutes to go. And then he ran and he ran and he ran and again and covered two positions. And it's, and it's not a knock on him. But this game wasn't built for him. And this comes back to player management where... Luka Jovanovic came in for his first start and scored a goal. Now he's had a pretty a pretty iffy performance against MacArthur, and now he's been run around the park for no reward for 90 minutes by Brisbane. Player management is not killing your young players' confidence. It's knowing when it. going, hey, you know, we're a club notorious for not actually using our visa spots. Oh, we've, yeah. got th- we've got three of them used at the moment, and in a game that was screaming out for experience, they all sat on the <laughs> We didn't have bench. one. Not one. Not one of them started, and it makes zero sense. It's horrendous. It's horrendous management. Zach not. It's just... Oh, sorry, Zach. Sorry. Four, one of one of four with Zach. Um, but to me, it's just it's just not right. That, that front three... Ben Halloran just fails to inspire me, and I don't know if he fails to inspire his teammates or not, but... Do we want to talk about Nesta? Are we at a point of talking about Nesta? Yeah, we can, uh, just, we can talk about I'll, Nesta. I'll just, I'll just say quickly as well on the hero thing. If you started hero and what happens during the game in that they have to reshuffle their defensive line in such a way that they did that a right back's playing centre back. I mean, in the end, you end up with the perfect matchup. So yeah, if you do fucking try and preempt this kind of thing, not so much the injuries, but you know the game situation of which hero would have been very useful from the from the get go in this. It's a it's a different game without a shadow of a doubt. I like um just sorry, Cooper, just before you get to Nestor, I think hindsight's wonderful there as well, but like it is the sort of game in the first half, we haven't really talked overall about the game yet, mm. but we were good. The, we were okay. in the in the first half in particular, the first half we were great. We were excellent. Mm. We got everything but the goal. And you just can't help but feel that if Hero was there, he probably gets on the end of one of those aerial balls or he at least makes something happen by bringing the ball to ground without it being headed away or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, We just against two big boys as well. We were were cutting them apart in that first half. We had to make corners. Before we do get to Nesta, that's fucked. Ju- that is I'll, so many corners. I'll, I'll jump in as well there and say that we can sit here and say that hindsight's a wonderful thing. But my instant thought in this game, and we actually spoke about it in the stands, we didn't we didn't relate the two at the time. But this Brisbane backline, bar Burke Gilroy, who I'm sorry couldn't get a game for Perth last season, wasn't given a contract Ooh. by Perth, and it, it's not he's not good. I, I don't think I don't think he's had a bad season so far. But with Tom yeah. Aldred and Scott Neville at centre back and an aging Jack Hengert, they're not this good. is a very this is a they're very similar lineup to what we played a couple of seasons ago in elimination final under Colvier, where Tommy Urich showed that to to tear this Brisbane backline apart, you don't need a fast striker, you don't need a running striker, you potentially just need a target. So he's been there and done this with this squad against this squad before that still couldn't work this out. Tom Aldred is is no good in the air. If you bring someone that's as physical as him into this game or bigger than him, it null and voids him completely in the air and he's slow and useless on the ground. Agreed. I just, we've been there and done this against this side. Why are we not learning from the process? Agreed. I that's, think um... that's the hardest part. Overall, Brisbane were probably as as bad as us. If not, they were definitely well. They were definitely worse than us in the first half. We killed them, and then in the second half, they had that that first fifteen minutes, probably up until the sixtieth minute mark, where it looked like they could have scored six. Mm. And Ben and um, Ben and Lockie were just like 
we were looking at the the line for a bit and just thinking like what is going on with this back this back line at the moment they were all over the place and i get some of that also does come from pressure up the park being really poor which was certainly the case but we just didn't come out the change rooms after half time it was like it's like they went in at half time and said oh we bugger we didn't score we did everything we could that half and we didn't score so it, that's it so that's know? it. We're not going to instead try of, anymore. Instead of going and doing it again. Obviously, that's not the case, but that's the yeah. way it looks. All right. We can only call it on how it sees. I'm not accusing professional footballers of throwing in the towel at half time. But the way they came out, they just were still asleep or they just they just didn't go again. And Brisbane, it almost looked like Brisbane. I think I said to you, Cooper, that whoever's on the sideline for <laughs> the assistant coaches at Brisbane would have been watching watching our back line or watching something when we do because that they have picked apart and been able to single out because they killed us for that first 15 minutes of the second half. And that is the only time they were better than us. And it was enough for them to get a 2-0 win. Well, well, you know you know who it was? Am I going to preempt Cooper here? It was Ryan Kiddo. Uh, you're not preempting me there. He was poor. Um, I think the whole, the whole back line was poor in this game and then the whole squad in the second half. But that was uh, the area of which they exploited in that 15 minutes was his desire to get forward, his inability to get back. Yeah. Um, any kind of speed. The first the first 15 minutes of the second half, Nicola Millios, Sam said they could have scored six. Nicola Millios should have had a hat-trick. Yeah. Didn't score, but in behind down Ryan Kiddo's side every time. And just we've spoken about it a few times. He's just just that little bit lost. Sam compared. He said, "I'm yeah. not sure if you've seen the clips, but there's these clips going around of from the sideline of Goody and and Kiddo's interaction, and the entire time it's hand my signals bit. and communication. Sorry, Sam, but but hand signals and communication <laughs> from from Goody, um, telling him come forward, move back, come forward. Where are you going? And, and Sam compared it to almost like it's almost like he was playing FIFA, like with an icon defender, and he was just making Ryan Kiddo do whatever he wanted him to yeah, do. Nice. Like, but I think it's just a, a matter of. Goody's been holding his hand for three seasons in this role and he's gone and he's at sea by himself. And you're not getting it from Halloran. No, you're not, you're not getting, getting anything from Halloran. You're and not getting anything defensively. We beat, we upped him last week or the week before. We, he, he played gets, well. He, he played, he's well. done some positive things in the last yeah. two games, um, but this the weekend was just back to the same old ordinary Ordinary That's the problem stuff. is he he flips in and out of good performances to really poor performances. And you just need a guy to consistently deliver sixes, sixes, and then maybe a nine, and then a six he's, and a six, and then maybe a nine. He's certainly not the sort of player I'm looking to at 2-0 down to see if we can get back into this game, which is ridiculous because he should be. Well, no, in that front third, he, this, it should be the guy. This is back to the point I made last week where he is continu- continuously good when we don't need him to be good. That's it. And yeah. and continuously shit when we need him. And <laughs> and the guy, Zach Clough has been the guy this season that has put tried to put this team on his back. And, and I thought he was good again on the weekend. So I thought he was good too. Again, I thought Clough, but bar, bar Gauchi, I thought Clough our best on the weekend. Um, yeah. So his new country, uh, contract didn't interfere with his ability to play at all? No, not, don't think not so. This um, not this week. Not this week. Good. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um. Do we want to move to Nestor? Do we want to? Yeah. Go yeah, on. I hope, go gonna, on. I hope we're not going to. I hope we're not going to fight here. But... No, because he was good in the first um, half. I thought everything we did good was off his boot, basically. A li- little bit. Yeah. There was He's, a really I don't think... lovely, lovely little ball that he played outside of his foot into the path of uh, Jovanovic. I think yeah, it was, and he one. played it wide. One no. ball. We'll let yeah, but, go. Yeah, but Nestor had a good shot on target too. Probably the first game where I've seen him completely covered ever in his yeah. Adelaide United career. It was pretty the awful. First, the first game that you I've reckon. seen him completely beaten for 90 minutes. 
Um, more than Farrell, you and, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. He was. He had zero. Like it was. Absolutely, it was bad. completely beaten. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of talk like Alex King's got it out for him. Da da da. Um, there was a lot of haste in the stands for it too. And Sam and I looked at each other a few times and we're going, "He's not being fouled when he thinks he's being fouled, and then he's giving away silly fouls because he's getting frustrated." Right? He's yeah. had a. He's had an absolute stinker. But but what I've noted on this is he's a kid, and it's gonna fucking happen. And to the people that want to rinse this guy for showing emotion and to the Paramount dude yeah. that sat in front of the yeah. fucking behind that the goals. Gross. And for, you know what? If he's sitting on the bench with his head in his hands and it's your job to show a shot for five seconds, five seconds, for a good 30 seconds on this kid yeah. crying his eyes out, right? Fucking 17 gross. years old. And there was certain people and and online and, and at the ground yelling out saying, this kid's a brat. A lot of talk about how he went off and he sat next to the bench, not on the bench, and and people spitting that he's not sitting next to his teammates. You know what I want to see? Rather than a 17-year-old kid taking accountability to go and sit next to these guys, why doesn't one of the senior guys go and put his fucking arm around this 17-year-old kid that's played his first real bad game? He's feeling more pressure than anyone else. He's got yep. the most ridiculous contract we've ever seen come out of this league coming up. You don't know what's going on in this kid's head. Yep. Just go and tell him it's going to be all right. Just, just let him fucking know. Some leadership, seven, but we don't, we don't old, have leadership in this, this team. And this is, this is the reliance we've shown on Nestor and Kunda to win us games that he mm. now feels this way when he doesn't. Yeah, and exactly. It is so wrong. And someone needs to go and put an arm around this kid and go, "Come on, mate, come sit with us." It didn't happen for you today, but it did last week, and it will, it will next week. And we all believe in you. It's fine. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that throws back to that Max Burford. Um, question to Carl when we lost to Sydney when Nestor wasn't involved his first question was do you think that we've you know your team has lost because Imran Kunda's not there and then Carl Beer's like that's a stupid question I'm not answering that question like he's a 17 year old kid and it makes you wonder is he doing that to protect him or is he doing that because there is an expectation in the dressing room that Imran Kunda has to turn up every week for this team at 17 years old like he is a literal child yeah it's, I'm actually, I've mentioned on here before, but I'm actually just so fucking sick to death of hearing st- anything about Nestor's attitude. Mm. I just it's think not it's true. such, it's just such bullshit. Like, show me a 17 year old that doesn't have attitude. Like, Thank just, you. Yes. and a 17 year old that's, like you said, has the pressure on him at the moment of being a match winner for a professional football club. Like, just, it feels to me when people do this, the first part is it's very, um, you know, we seem to put sports stars on like a different pedestal. We have different expectations of them as a human that are unrealistic because that relates to my second point here, which is that to be just raving on about his attitude being bad, it just feels so dismissive to me of any sort of mental strain that goes on, not just even as a sportsman, but just in life, you know, and let alone at 17 years of age, the things that are going on, like, the maturity levels, like, you just, it's a lot to do. It's a lot to deal with. Um, he, waves his, he waves his arms in the air when shit doesn't go right for him or he, he gives away a frustrated foul. Like, fucking so what? I don't know if you saw, um, have seen it since, Sam. Uh, Tom might have seen it if he was watching the game at the time. I can't remember if you were towards the end of the game. Um, we weren't shown it at the ground, uh, but Musa Torre on the floor for a significant period of time with about 10 minutes to go, then goes off, goes straight down the tunnel 
um, Paramount had cameras on him going into the dressing room crying as well. Um, mm-hmm. We now know that Moose has done his groin and I think it was pretty clear to him at the time that he knew he was injured and he was going to miss a, a period of football. Yeah. And, and that's what he was upset about. But there's so many people talking about the negatives of these kids having emotions. And and I, for one, just think it's fucking glorious that we have a generation of young talent that actually fucking cares. Nestor yeah. Kunda has signed for yeah. Bayern Munich. He's going to play for one of the biggest clubs in the world next year. He's going to have all, whether he plays or he plays youth or whatever he does, he's going to have all that opportunity and, and the world's his oyster and, and in his hands and at his feet. And he still cares about this fucking club to yeah. go to the sideline and cry after 60 minutes of poor football. Like this kid could be on the this, plane mentally already. And I he's don't. Not. I don't know if I'm blurring some lines here. I might be, but the we're in a society at the moment where we're trying to have so many more conversations about toxicity, especially amongst like guys. You know, toxic masculinity. Um, and I thought we'd kind of turned a little bit of a corner with the Josh Cavallo stuff. You know, obviously having a player at our own club that came out. Um, but it's obviously still here. And I guess, like I said, people are putting, putting these guys on a different pedestal to other human beings, but what's, what's wrong with, what's wrong with kids crying? That's the uh, way I saw it. Is I that, thought it's a problem. I thought it was what totally f- natural. Like, is I would this think not, so too. Is this not a thing that happens to people when they do badly in their life? Like, do and we if, not, and do if we they not are, why is, like- why is the reaction from people to say that they need to toughen up or mature up and sort it out? And why why isn't the attitude that let's help them, let's get around them? You know, well, this was this was the beauty of this. Show some support. Someone reached out to the Bayern campus head coach. I think his name is Thomas Frund. Yeah. Um, and they asked what what like what do you think about this? Well, I could you've just signed him, you you got this kid crying on the sidelines, you really want him, basically. And he's come out and he said, like, we know, we know he's 17 years old and he's going to be, he's emotional. Like, we know this is what, this is what we're signing. This is the kind of guy that we think, because he shows passion, this is the kind of guy that we think we can mould into a footballer that wins games for teams Yeah, because he fucking cares. Like, would you rather, <laughs> I just, I don't, would you rather see a guy walk off after having a 60 minute stinker and not give a fuck and just sit down and like, I don't know, keep his head between his legs? Well, like Rashford does? Then, I don't... then people are just going to say, Oh, look, he doesn't care. Yeah. Well, if, you know, that's probably, the line? It's, it's probably the magnif, you know, it's the magnifying of individual emotion and what that translates into how they've played and whatever's been going on. But I've got, especially for Torre too, he's heavily linked with a move to Scotland at the moment. And if you get an injury for a month, a month and a half at this time of year, that's fucked because you can't pass a medical. So he's not he's not going to make this this dream signing basically to go to Europe. So for him to be crying, yeah, I think big time. Understand his uh, window is open for a long time. I think he's definitely. We've seen enough from this guy. I think things are going to happen for him. Uh, it sucks that he's got that injury, but he'll he'll pop back. I reckon he'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the the ten report during the week as to um, Musa going to to Hibs, like you were just talking about. Um, but him talking to Max Burford about saying the teenager is blocking out the noise by helping the next generation of African Australian footballers. So this is a teenage kid who yeah. also has the world at his at his hands and 
he's more focused on doing what he can to give back to the community that he came from. And yeah, and this goes They're back to kids, having man. a generation of footballers that fucking yeah. not just care about this club, but they care about where they came from and, and, what and, and who got who got them there and how they can yeah. become those people to help the next generation get there too. And and this is a dream for for people that love South Australian football and wanted to it to succeed for a long time. It, it is a dream, and if it if it means a few tears along the way, it means a few fucking tears along the Fuck way. Both. Absolutely, they're bloody good kids, man. Long story short, everyone out there, people in particular who might or might not be listening to this pod, who I did mention in a group chat saying <laughs> dumb shit, cut it out. Grow up. Let them <laughs> let the kids just play and let them enjoy it. Yeah, let them, let them let be them, kids, man. Let them let them get sad. Let them get emotional. Let them get angry. Let them get happy. Let them celebrate. Let them do all of that stuff. Let them feel arrogant if they need to after they've scored a banger. We do all the same shit in the stands. This is I don't understand the difference. Yeah. Um. All right, do we have anything else on this game in particular? I don't know if we want to... Jeez. Surely it was, we've it done just it. really grim. I think we've done it. Um, I just wanted to go... What have we got? We have Friday night game this week. Mm. Away to West Sydney. Um, are we getting rinsed? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't care if this is going to sound so fucking weird. We're going to say I, just don't lose again? No, I don't care if... <laughs> I don't. I don't care if they lose this game. Just don't okay. lose it so badly that it completely rattles their cage. It's funny that you yeah. say don't lose. We've only drawn one game this season, so it's like just don't lose. Just don't I lose. Yeah. I just. I've got my eyes set. I don't really care what happens this week. I've got my eyes set on the next home game against Newcastle, and then um, <laughs> Melbourne away first away trip in years. So, um, just just can we just win those two? That'd be nice, you know. Uh, do we want to make any predictions on West Sydney this week, though? Oh, we're gonna Go we're gonna win two one. <laughs> How many we... out the fire when you least expect it? Cool, Tommy. Uh, we might jag a draw. We may jag a draw. Lovely. I'm just going to go full pessimistic. I seem to be not, I can't pick a result anywhere in world football at the moment. So I'm just going to say we lose 3 0 and hope that that reverse uh, football god psychology works. Um, I want to just quickly talk about a couple of other things, if you guys don't mind, if you've got time. You can hang around. Um, Matt Ryan is injured, potentially missing the Asian Cup. Is it? Is Joe going to get it? Would Joe get the number one spot if Matt Ryan is out? He's an option. He's one of a couple, I think. Um, but he's definitely an option. The main option? The main option? I think it's pretty it close be. between... It's going to not... be pretty, pretty close between Joe and Maynard Brewer. Because they're not going to bring Langerak oh. back in, are they? No, I think Langerak's a, a 98% no. I don't yeah. think he's coming but he's, back into he's probably the best goalkeeper I think he, I think he is the, the best option at the moment. Um but Joe Joe is completely capable. Um, it just depends whether they want to go with the A League experience or, or with Maynard Brewer. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do leading up to it. Now that'll probably give us a better tell. It's got. It's. I feel like it has to be Joe's. He's the one that's been been filling in and you know popping in in games and stuff for the Roos. So he's got a couple of caps. How many caps does um old mate have? None. It's got Maddie Maynard Vine. It's Maynard got Brewer Maddie... hasn't even played for the Socceroos yet. I feel like it's got Matty Ryan in a face mask written all over it. I'd be all right with it. I'd get him in. Is he still the captain? 
Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I'd be I'd be fine with it, but it'd be great to see Joe get in there. If not, another one quickly. Your thoughts? I don't know if we've shared these thoughts on the pod, but he was at it again on the weekend, scoring four Bruno Fornaroli. Uh, are you taking him to the Asian Cup? Yes or no, Cooper? And why? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's tournament football, and you take your most informed and your best your best options at the time. And Bruno Fornaroli is the most informed Australian striker Brilliant. that we have in this league. Thank you. Tommy, are you going to rebuttal that? I I was against it um, initially because I was... Last week? Yep. I preferred (laughs) um, the idea of blooding a youngster in behind them. Uh, I think Yangi is a way better opportunity. If you you pick Duke and Yangi, I prefer that. That's that's my go-to. But then it occurred to me that if Fornaroli goes to the Asian Cup, he doesn't play for victory for about four weeks. So... That's, not, that's a really good move. That's are we not able move. to take Duke, Yengi, and Bruno? Well, I mean, how many did we got? We got 23. Oh, they, sorry, because J-Max is going to be there. Assuming that McLaren's going to go, yeah. Because yeah. I would say J-Max going to be there, in which case... It's one or the other. At the moment, I'd be much rather just take Bruno, Duke, and Yengi. Yengi, same. That's I what know. I would do. Like, Tom, Duke's going to be the starter, but... Tom actually said to me in a discussion in the group chat midweek about this that if Bruno had scored 15 goals by sometime in mid-January that he'd probably take him. Um, mm. Probably not expecting Bruno to score four on the weekend and only need four more in about the next six games to <laughs> well, do so. so. This, is, well, this is exactly why my perspective has shifted. Because How many is he? Like, he's got 11, doesn't he? How many is he putting past? Uh, yeah, quick mass. He said he needs four more, um, <laughs> which would put him on 11 if he's getting a 15. Yep, yeah. perfect. How many is he putting past Ben and Lockie? Oh, no, well, none, because Joe Gatti's in there. <laughs> that was harsh on Ben and Lachlan. I'm sorry, guys. Well, um, he only scored one against Popper and Ansel, so... Yeah, how fair. much how much distance does he have to put on Jamie McLaren before the Asian Cup for the conversation to become McLaren or Yangi rather than Fornaroli or Yangi? I don't think it happens at all, I think. Nah, I think J-Max a lock. Like, if Redmayne can stay in the squad and go to a World Cup, given how bad he was playing, then, you know. The problem is, is that Bruno scores goals in so many different areas of the pitch. Like, I have actually been really impressed with the way that he's scored. It, like, obviously from the spot, which is something yep. J-Max doesn't want to do at the moment. Very weird. Scores from outside the area, scores with his head. Involved in link-up play, that... You know, provides his own goals. Basically, he's been exceptional, and so he should go. Late arrivals into the box, being in the box early and making diagonals. Although, Um, although Cooper wanted to point out the second goal he scored on the weekend because the defending was so bad. Yeah. God, um, just a quick one: Is there any concern from either of you that eight of Bruno's eleven have come across two games? Is there there any? concern in that or is there no concern because he's also scored in three of the other five yes i mean yeah. pretty good return. I, I he's scored this, in enough of the games yeah but this is why i said 15 because if he only scores well if he doesn't score now until the rest of the season he doesn't go but if he only scores one or two in the next what six games i think that you know the guys have coming up before the asian cup then you're kind of looking at it is he as in form as everyone thinks he is, because he has scored so many goals in so few games. It's an interesting question. I'd still prefer him over J-Mac. Mm, I just don't think it's ever happening. They're, they're always taking J-Mac, I'd say. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? It was uh, the Bruno, the, the goal against Central Coast yeah. from outside the box. I know, like, take away the finish. 
How about the just the hold up on a defender that's got a foot and a half on him, and then the Meg, and just the strength and just the like you said, so many different weapons to his game. Um, I'd well, love to what, have, love to have that, seen him running around this league in his like mid twenties. Oh, how good would that have been? I mean, that's what made his second goal the one with the shitty defending so well because he holds it up on halfway, flicks the ball out wide, and then gets in behind the centre backs for yeah. the run. It's just. He's, he's a different beast at the moment. At 36, it's wild. Absolutely. How's, uh, how's Nishan Valupale having an absolute fucking cry that Bruno didn't pass him the ball either? <laughs> yeah. He would have missed. He would have missed. Uh, the Paul, defender, Paul the defender cut there. the lane. <laughs> the defender cut the lane and gave, for some reason, decided that the guy who wants to shoot is Bruno and not Valupale. Going to let the most informed striker in the league go one-on-one with my keeper and just About, make sure that this guy doesn't and he get was, the ball. By the time... <laughs> By the time Bruno took his shot, he was like closer than the penalty spot too. It was like edge of the six-yard box. Just hammered it in. Joel Linton style. All right, we might wrap it up there. Good stuff. Hopefully, we can pull something different out this week against West Sydney. Um, stay tuned. Get around the Spotify feed or the Apple feed, wherever you listen to it. We've got episode 135 is out. You'll be able to see that. Scroll back through talking about – we did a bit of a wrap-up of the Premier League. There was two – Two game, uh, two match days in the last week. So we tried our best to cover all of that stuff. Get around it. Give us a give us a bit of a rating and a review if you like. And get around us on all the social media platforms as always. Uh, see you guys next week. Yeah, peace. We'll do. Haters.